Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where Beige has no stealth. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host Beige. Very, very quietly. Yeah, today we're going to talk about Hitman, because I've been playing a ton of Hitman for the past month, almost month now, and yeah. I kind of made you play it. You did. You, I, I walked out of the room, and when I came back, I had a copy of the uh, first level and tutorials gifted to me on uh, on Steam. Well, it was like you were interested enough in it that I knew it was probably safe to get you that first little like whatever the episode structure is and that first one was the tutorials and then paris so Mm -hmm. today we're going to talk a little bit about that but before we dive into like hitman proper i kind of wanted to ask just how do you feel about complex systems in games and if you haven't played hitman this will tie directly into our discussion (laughs) yeah absolutely well let me say i like hitman's like all of the stuff that's there, I do really like this game. And with this game, it's very complex. And I didn't know how I was going to like it at first. And then when I started playing it, I got used to it. And it had that learning curve that took me maybe five or ten minutes. And I'm cool with that. That's kind of the way I felt about the Arkham games with Batman. I was it very complicated system, but I realized the logic behind it. And I was cool with, cool with playing it at that point. But if a game has a complex complex system that I don't feel adds anything to the gameplay itself, I pretty much bounce off the game immediately. I did that with Final Fantasy 13, and I think you and I have talked about this, where the game is not complicated, but it was complex that you had to adjust all of your systems. You had to make sure that everything was put together right for all of your characters and their different roles. You had to go into whatever their version of the sphere grid was. You had to read all of the backstory in text instead of having the story told to you. And I was just like, I'm spending more time not having fun with this game than I'm having fun. So I just moved off of it on top of everything else on the corridor walking and all of that. So for me, it depends on the game and how it's integrated. Because like Hitman, I could have seen myself bouncing off of it, but I knew what to expect out of it being a stealth game. For me, it does depend on the game too, but I think it's it's more about, it's not necessarily the gameplay, it's more about the player messaging. It's like how well the game is going to teach you, or even if it's not directly teaching you, how well it's messaging what's going on in the game so that you can learn it and pick up on it and, like, improve. So there are games where there are people like Dark Souls, right? The whole Souls series and Bloodborne and stuff. I know there's complex systems there. I know there are people who love them. I cannot get into it for the life of me. And I've tried, I'm pretty sure I've tried every one of those games. I haven't actually tried Neo yet, which some people say is kind of a Souls-alike game. But all of the other ones I have played in some respect or another. And I just, there's no obvious messaging about like how to get better, what I should be doing, what I should be doing different. And it's just like complexity for complexity's sake. And if you dig far enough into it, yes, you could get into it and it could be interesting. But if it's not approachable, It's just, it totally kills it for me. I think that's a really good way to put it. Approachable. I think if it's approachable, because Dark Souls is the opposite of that, and it's on purpose, but you're absolutely right. It turns me off of it just the same way. Yeah, and Hitman does such a good job in this regard. Like, it messages lots of things to the player really well, and some of it is explicit, some of it is in the tutorial, right? And it tells Mm -hmm. you, like, straight up with text, here's how this works, here's what you should try to do until you learn it. And then there are other things in the game that 
it doesn't go out of its way to explain, but it's like flagged enough for you. There's some kind of interaction on the screen or some kind of yep. message or like a little red warning exclamation mark. These little things <laughs> yeah. that like, even if you don't know the first time you come up to it, it's very obvious that, oh, there's a thing here that I can learn if I pay attention. And very quickly, you pick up what these mean, right? Like the yeah. little indicators of if somebody's going to spot you and like how far away they are and like how close they are to noticing you're someone mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to be. Or I'm thinking about like, you know, if you're carrying an illegal item and you have it out and then you have that little red exclamation point. All these little things, they're not necessarily explicitly told to the player, but it's obvious that, hey, here's a thing you should probably figure this out. And it doesn't take you that long. Like you said, it's like 10 or 15 minutes maybe for a system to get your head around it. But it does enough to message the player. And I think that this might be why you like the Arkham games because they do really, really good player messaging. Yes, they really do. And that was something that at first I did bounce off of Arkham City because I wasn't in the mood for that kind of game, and I realized that I couldn't remember which buttons to press to do what I wanted it to do. And I ran into that same thing with Hitman, because I cannot tell you the number of times that I've just punched somebody in front of a door when I've tried to open it. Those waiters in Paris, you know, every one of them has been punched in the face, I'm pretty certain, like four times, because I'm trying to open a door beside them, and I just clock them. Whoops. Because I can't remember which button to press. It also may be because I'm simple (laughs) uh okay so let's talk a little bit about um hitman proper then i I wanted your because i've been playing it for basically a month and besides fire emblem heroes this is i think the only video game that i've played in the last month and part of that is because i started a new job and i didn't want to try to learn new games in my spare time um i'm coming around now to i'm about ready to play new stuff but i'm not quite there yet so that's part of it but honestly this is a the game with the most replayability that I've seen in years. Like, yeah. I, I honestly cannot think of a game that has more replayability unless I go all the way back to my childhood where you got one game for six months, you know, and that was your only game. <laughs> yes. and you had to give like it had to have replayability, even if it didn't, because you would just make it work. You know what I mean? That is literally what I was about to say, that even games that didn't that you couldn't replay, that even if you hated it, you were replaying it. You were going to play that thing until you like 200 percented it, like because you had no choice. Yeah. So. Uh, like high level for hitman one of the interesting things is there are only six true levels in this and if you go out of your way and you would count maybe the two tutorials can kind of count as a level even though not really but even if you do that to be generous then there are seven levels and if you break them up there are eight but either way there's not a whole lot and in terms of fully realized real levels in this game there are only six And you can pretty much stumble your way through each one one time to see the story. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Like, each one might take you an hour, maybe. So we're talking about if you were trying to play this beginning to end, including the tutorials, maybe there's like seven or eight hours of content here if you play through it one time. But Mm -hmm. what happened to me was I played the tutorials, the two tutorials, and then... By the end of that, by the time I stumbled through that second tutorial for my very first time, I saw enough of the systems to be like, oh, wait, I want to explore this more. And then I went back and I 100%ed every single thing I could do in the tutorials before I ever moved on to Paris. Good Lord. Yeah. I don't. 
th- this is the problem. Okay, this is my problem with Hitman, and I think this may be a personal like character flaw. I can't play stealth games because they may I'm not patient enough for this. They make me really, really tense and anxious to play. So like you getting a hundred percent on those tutorials, there is no and even on Paris, there is absolutely no way that that will ever happen to me because I am so not patient to be able, patient enough to be able to solve all of these puzzles. And see, okay, Hitman, I guess it's a stealth game, but like after I got into it, I didn't even see it that way anymore. It's like a systems game. You yeah. need to like learn the systems and understand how to work the systems. Because it's a logic game in a lot of ways it, because of how is. you have to figure out to get like this item to this point to be able to kill this person while you're getting this disguise. Yeah, and, and it's okay. It's kind of like a game I used to play on iPhone called Cat Physics when the very first version of iPhone came out. Very like very first version of the App Store came out. You would just move these little triangles around to get this one ball of yarn to this other cat from one cat to another and that's kind of the way i feel about hitman it is a complicated version of cat physics <laughs> okay. with murder well like for me a, a lot of it is well okay so another thing about hitman in general is that the npcs are almost all on these tight little loops and it, it might mm-hmm. take a couple minutes for an npc to go around in a loop but they will loop and that's kind of a key component of the game. Until you interact with one of these key NPCs to throw them out of their loop, they'll basically just do the same thing over and over. And there there are a few exceptions to that, um, depending on which level you're in and which situation you're talking about. There are ones that have more of a through line that if you don't act fast enough, you'll kind of miss opportunities. But for the most part, every key NPC is set up on loops so that you can get to them whenever you get to them and interact with them in interesting ways. So for a level like Paris, by the time I kind of had it memorized, and I I wouldn't say I have it memorized, right? But I know enough ways through that level. I know enough approaches to that level, and I know enough placement of the items inside that level that I can look at a challenge in the challenges tab, and just by reading the little description and what I would have to accomplish, I can kind of put like 75 to 80% of it together in my head about how to execute that. And that becomes huge, just like using your own knowledge that you've built up to be able to accomplish the things that it puts out as challenges. Yeah, because I made the mistake today that I decided that I was going to play before we got on here and I went and did uh, needed to go and do a challenge. And I went and I picked one and I don't remember the name of it, but I had to kill this one particular uh, like stylist guy with a saber. And I made a mistake of picking this one, not having done any of the prior challenges beforehand. And... I can't figure out how to get a saber to him. I set off the fire alarm and drew him over, and then I got murdered because I stabbed him through the back, and people saw me. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing because I didn't build up to that challenge of of moving through and using that specific item in any other way or learning the strategies of dropping things in different places. Right. And I okay, I want to talk about that a little bit. But I guess before we move on out of the tutorials, what were your initial thoughts when you played? Because you're closer to that initial feeling than I am. Like, what did you think just right when you got into the first couple tutorial levels and started figuring it out? I thought combat was going to actually play a bigger part that if you're doing it right, you're never really fighting anyone. Yes, that it's kind of it's like, I don't know, I was expecting that there would be 
you know, a little bit of gunplay, maybe some some very minor, you know, the fights that you have are basically active time events. And so I figured there might be some Uncharted style, you know, shootouts occasionally because you add cover. And no, if I pull out a gun, I die. That it is it is almost every single time if i try to use a gun it's like no no you're you're dead bj so i just it's not a combat game and i truly expected there to be far more combat in it other than mostly knocking people out and hiding bodies yeah and if it was just a third person shooter combat game i would not have liked it the way that yeah, i did it would have been so generic at that point yeah and you know i have played some of the other hitman games and they none of the ones i've ever played felt like this which is why i wrote off this game and i never even looked at it until the end of the year came around and it was on tons of lists from tons of people that I trust. And that's what finally got me to look at it because past Hitman games, it felt like maybe they kind of wanted to do what they did in this game, but they never actually executed it well. And this game just nails it. Like, yeah, it's so good. So, okay. Uh, I'm glad we got your thoughts about the tutorials. I do want to get into Paris because I think that's where we have the most to talk about. Yeah. But before that, I wanted to talk about how to approach a level because I told you this, and I actually ended up buying my brother this game too, and I told him this when I when he started, um, because I kind of figured this out just by bashing my head against it enough times. This is how you go about learning a level. Basically, do it once and stumble your way through it, and it will feel like you stumbled your way through it, and it will not be elegant, and it will be dumb, and you will want to save scum a lot, and that's fine, but uh-huh. you can get through it. After that, go back through and there are these things in the level called opportunities. And these are different from other challenges. There's, there is a challenge tab and there's lots of like subdivisions of challenges. This is kind of its own little thing. And opportunities are ways that will essentially lead you right to the point where you would have some opportunity to take out a target. Yes. Yeah. And if you go through and, you know, do one opportunity for one target, most of the levels have two targets. Some of them have more, but most of them have two. So if you do one of the opportunities for one target and then you do a different opportunity for the other target, it will kind of teach you one of the core ways through that level. And that is something you can build on. So what I recommend is go through and play the level a few times until you've done every single opportunity, which there's not that many, right? Challenges and feats... And, like, all of, like, the assassination challenges and, like, the level challenges, there's, like, hundreds of those, like, more than 100 I want to say level. there are 104 on Paris. Either 104 or 106 on Paris. I can't remember. Yeah, I think one of the levels might have 150 total. Um, Good night! Yeah. But opportunities, there's usually, like, six, maybe eight. So it's not that much of your time to do it, but it is the most worthwhile thing you can do with your time because then it will teach you a bunch of the core mechanics that are unique to that level and a bunch of the core ways to get through the level to the end successfully. And that is what you build on. After you have that core of understanding the opportunities and how they work, that's when you should go into that challenges menu and the feats menu and the assassination challenges menu and all the other things and just start picking things that look fun because now you'll have just enough knowledge of the level to be able to build on it in lots and lots of interesting ways. And that's kind of what you and I were talking about. Like you have enough knowledge to do part of it in your head, but then actually start to execute it. And that's where the hard part comes in for me is I'm not a delicate guy. 
I am. I, I, I really do like Hamilton on that one. I got a lot of brains and no polish. That's really how I approached uh, Hitman is I can think my way through it. And then the execution is like, no, nah, I'm going to stab you. And then I mess it up and I think through it and see most of the pieces and this is why I'm terrible at chess as well. And the very end game, when I get there, I realize that I made a, this was a terrible mistake and uh, something bad happens to me. But the opportunities have really honestly helped me because the first time I went through Paris, it was ugly. <laughs> like I didn't, and I made a point not to do the opportunities that time. I wanted to figure out how to do this entirely on my own. And I was doing everything that I could and swapping disguises, moving into different areas of the mansion based on the disguise, figuring out who could go upstairs, who couldn't, all of this. And I muddled my way through it. And it really was ugly. And like when I killed both of them, I was being hunted and basically just had to get a disguise that was compromised and then just slowly make my way out of the a, a disguise that was compromised that were if I had been seen by an NPC I would have been arrested or killed and so I had to leave like that like it was a it was like watching the end of a Tarantino movie it was it was just ugly and gross but it got the job done that's that's really funny but yeah that's i mean that's the way it goes right at the beginning you stumble your yep. way through that first time and then you build on what you learned from it um and that first time always takes longer than like any of the other times unless you're doing yeah. a crazy challenge there are some crazy challenges in there that are just like insane but outside of those like that first time through is where you're going to struggle the most and it's going to take you the longest and every time after that will go more smoothly and you'll learn more and it's just really interesting like this is i i see it and i know i said this already but i see it as a systems game and like i love interesting systems that is probably the primary reason i play video games that and story right right depends on the game which one i'm going for hitman has nothing to offer in terms of story <laughs> like that's what i was about to ask because yeah. they're trying and they've set up a pretty interesting world because it does feel very alive that there are people talking, there are lots of conversations going on, and they're all within the same kind of narrative. But I obviously haven't played enough of the full game to know whether or not it actually pays off into anything or if it gets you invested beyond Paris. No, I mean, the story is just an excuse to get you to all the locations. But the story itself, like, it... Even by the end of it, I didn't care. I mean, I watched okay. every cutscene, so I knew what was going on. I honestly, I didn't care at all. Not even okay. remotely. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected out of it, because it's cliched. I mean, it is very melodramatic, espionage, spy, like Jason Bourne movie stuff, but... I saw how it could be interesting or could just be like, yep, this is this is here. Yeah. If, I mean, if you get good story, like really good story and really, really good systems in a game, that's like those are my favorite games. Like those will hook me and be my favorite games for life. That kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, I would say that's one of the reasons that Persona 4 got me so much last year is that the systems in place for the social links coupled with the story that that game tells was just so compelling for me. You know, it, it wasn't even the battle system or the dungeon system or like any of that. It was the social link system it was just so fascinating for me. And I just wanted to like work my mind on it. And yeah, 
yeah. So I feel drawn to this game the same way because of the systems, not for the story at all. But yeah, yeah. So the other thing that we should mention, and we're not going to get into it, but just in case you haven't played this game and anything we've said has interested you, um, some more stuff you should know about just the content. So we're talking about the core missions here, but outside of that, you can do escalation missions, which is it, it would take place like, for example, also in Paris, but it would start and a typical core mission is kill these two targets. You can kill them with any weapon. You can kill them wearing any disguise, basically. An escalation mission might start and say, you have to kill, it's usually a different person, not one of those core two. You have to kill a new person in this level, and you have to do it with, like your example, you have to do it with a saber, right? So maybe that's mm-hmm. escalation mission one. And then the second level of it is kill the person with a saber while wearing a certain disguise. And then the next level is even harder and they usually have five levels so it builds on itself and it gets tougher and tougher as you go on and those are kind of fun to do yeah i can see how it's super fun like the idea behind it and figuring it out and keeping on escalating it up see what they did there is is really really interesting to me i just think i'm gonna be so bad at this i'll never be able to get all five of them done in any of them (laughs) I I haven't even had time to try them in the main like game. I did oh, yeah. them in the tutorials and I had a lot of fun. And I, like I said, I 100%ed that tutorial stuff. Um but I haven't done any escalations after that, which is another reason I don't want to talk about it cuz I just don't have enough to say about it. Also besides cool idea at yeah, least. Yeah, it is a really cool idea and I really liked it in the tutorial, which makes me think that it's just as fun in the rest of the levels. And then yeah. the, the other thing they have to offer is they've been rolling out like alternate scenarios so it would be like paris but it's holiday time and it's some kind of special holiday mission that completely changes the level that's in the game too for free if you own it and i haven't even tried that because i've been so busy with the tried it because i keep seeing it i think it's called like holiday heist or something like that for paris and i see it and i want to play it but then i'm like but i want to do this normal one so i just went and have done the normal stuff and i really need to load up the holiday content just to see so there's a couple of those and then there's a whole nother like through line to the game called sarajevo 6 that they're slowly patching in so this is really like games as a service, which I think that could be a whole topic in itself that we could talk about later. So I don't want to get hung up too much on it. But like this game just has so much content to offer and it's very appealing to me for that reason. But and okay. it's really well, what's ahead. interesting to me about doing this. And like you said, with games as a service is that this feels like so much more than just DLC. That you're not getting just a couple of character packs, you're not getting some skins and a couple extra zones to do, that with it, with the way that they're doing it, they are constantly changing the way that the content is being put in and how it's being used, so every time you're not, you're getting something completely different. Yes, yes, definitely. It's really cool like that. Okay, so Paris, this is what we really wanted to talk about, and I'm, uh, I mean... (laughs) If you're worried about spoilers in this game, you just you shouldn't be. It's a game about <laughs> systems. It's not a game about spoilers. But it's another reason that we are going to talk about Paris. There are five other levels, and we are not going to get into like details about any of those. So we're really not spoiling much for you. Um, and you can get this on Steam and probably the PlayStation Network, I'm assuming, for $15, right? That the first, the two tutorials and Paris, I think, cost about 15 bucks. So you're not going to be out a lot of money to play what we're talking about tonight yeah and even though hitman just wrapped up not that long ago with the sixth level 
because the first level has been out for so long, the game has kind of existed for a while. So Steam sales usually have a big discount on this already, which is cool. Like there, I awesome. think there was like a flash sale last weekend and it was half off or something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely worth it if you can get that. There is, if it's under 10 bucks, just buy it straight up. Yeah. Okay. So Paris, there's a lot to dig into. So I think we're just going to talk, kind of talk about whatever. And like I said, this is one where I beat almost everything in Paris on top of 100%ing the tutorials. And Paris, the only things I haven't done are the escalation missions. And I haven't done like two or three of the super, super hard challenges, including ones that are like, did you look at the vampire challenges at all? No, I didn't see a vampire challenge. I was looking through those this afternoon and I missed the vampire challenge. Okay, there's there's like a vampire magician costume thing. And it is it's hidden up in the attic, like way, way off to the side, away from where most of the guys are that are like security yeah. guards in the attic. And if you go get it, there is a specific set of challenges that's like magician, vampire, vampire, magician or something. It is <laughs> the hardest disguise to use because basically everyone is suspicious of you the entire time. So, well, yeah, I did two of those, maybe three of them. Um, and then the other ones are just like the ones where you look at it and you're like, that's almost impossible. <laughs> you know, it's not like, impossible, I, but it's like, do I want to keep putting time into this or should I just go and do a different level? I'm going to have to just go find it and see because that sounds awesome and ridiculous. Yeah. So those ones I didn't finish. And then there's a couple where it's like beat the entire level starting at the default location entirely in your suit without changing disguises with never being detected never have a body found exit the level unnoticed it's like all yeah, of the I hard things that, to do and i was like that's i will never make that happen ever yeah so there are like ones that lead up to that so ones like you know be silent the entire time don't ever get found um i beat a bunch of those or like do the whole thing in your suit but the one that actually combines all of them together, I haven't done that yet either because it's super hard. <laughs> I I can't I can't imagine doing it all in your suit. That's how bad I am at this. I'm thinking you say that, though, and it goes exactly to what you were talking about, how the systems are set up. Even though I saw that challenge earlier today, I didn't really think about it. And then you say it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how I'd get up there if I was with my suit. Like just saying is like, oh, yeah, now I know how to get up there and do that. I have an idea. <laughs> See, or, and yeah, that's, that's that's the thing is like you start working on an idea in your head and you get like part of it so it's like maybe you know kind of half of how to do this one and you keep it in mind for later yeah so it's just it's so cool to be able to like put parts of it together in your head and slowly build on it over time until you feel like yeah i'm probably within striking dif distance of that one i should just give it a shot yeah i can totally see that especially after you know like you just said it's like oh yeah that's how i can get on the second and third floor like that okay yeah so okay so paris the the thing is with all of these levels like i said there's only six real levels but each one is like a fully fleshed out world but it's very small so it gets super granular in the details, which is what make the systems interesting. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a whole, well, some of them are more than a city block. But Paris, for instance, it's basically a palace. And it's like yes. a rented out palace where a fashion show is happening downstairs. And one of your targets is the guy who like owns the fashion line, who's rolling out the new clothesline or whatever for the fashion show. Really... The fashion show is a cover-up for a secret auction that's happening upstairs. 
and they're selling whatever state secrets or something and your secondary target <laughs> is the woman who's running the auction upstairs so you end up with there's a red carpet and you walk in with a ticket and you're in your suit and you're just kind of told tuxedo yeah you're tux you're told okay go for it figure it out and that's it like really you you walk in and there are events that trigger as you move through and it's like oh yeah this is the target that you're supposed to kill and he is surrounded by bodyguards coming down the stairs and there is just a mob of people like you're watching you know Batman Begins and Bruce Wayne is coming in. I mean, just a throng of people all around at every, at just every side. And it's just like, like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you got to figure it out, which is cool. So it becomes somewhat about levels of access. Like there are different areas that you can't walk into, right? Like where they're setting up for the fashion show. Since you're a guest, when, when you look like a guest, when you're in your suit, you can't go back there. But if you steal the uniform of, like, a stylist who's working the fashion show, then you can go back there without the guards, like, noticing and getting on your case, really. So yeah. there's, like, a main level, and it's pretty easy to get access to different parts of the main level. There's lots of ways to do it. There's um, a basement level that's, like, a kitchen. So if you steal, like, a chef uniform or, like, a kitchen staff or palace staff, you can get down there. And then as you go up, it gets kind of like harder to get to the different levels of access. And this is an interesting one for levels of access because it's literally levels of the building yeah. for access. Whereas other ones like other um, Hitman levels that are outside of Paris are built in different ways where it's not so much like vertical levels of access. It's different ways that they execute this. But having the right disguise to get to the right place becomes a key part of the game which is super interesting and like they interact with you so well like the npcs as you're going through they make snide comments at you or they compliment you and then even if you're in a place you're supposed to be my problem is running into people and then they realize oh hey you're not my buddy he wouldn't have done that and then they kill you yeah, that happens sometimes. But I guess one of the things I would say in the sometimes. game's defense is that they they are really good about, like, if you are in a uniform that can't get into a place and you take a couple steps that direction, there are usually guards, like, posted there that are like, hey, buddy, right. you can't go that way. So it's not yep. like if you take one step the wrong direction, they're going to instantly kill you. Like, it tries yeah, to be it's... realistic. Yeah, if you're walking into a restricted area, they're not going to shoot you for stepping your toe over the line. They're going to go, hey, like you said, hey, buddy, go away. And then you can just turn around and like, yeah, I thought so. And then you just walk away. Yeah, which is it's an interesting thing to do because it actually, I don't know, it just feels more realistic. Like you're not going to get instantly killed because you put one foot out of line, which, you know, that's how the real world works. Like if there's a bouncer or a guard somewhere and you start trying to go somewhere you're not supposed to be, they'll just be like, hey, no, don't do that. They're, they're not going to go all video game on you and just shoot you for, you know, looking at them. Right. So in this level, um, getting back to like the NPC loops that we talked about, right? So the guy downstairs, his name is Victor. He has a loop kind of around the main level of the palace. And some of it is like he goes and he checks out, you know, the people getting ready for the fashion show and he goes and just wanders around um goes outside and he goes uh, it doesn't really matter exactly where he goes but he kind of has a tight loop downstairs that you can mess with and then the lady who's in charge of the auction she has a pretty tight loop upstairs 
and those are kind of the two main NPC loops you can mess with. But again, there's lots of other kind of key NPCs that you can mess with or throw off in different ways, and that will impact those two main targets in fascinating ways. I like messing with... It's much easier... And Hold on, let me start this over. I think it's much easier to mess with hers upstairs than it is his downstairs because there's so many more people downstairs. While it's hard to get... I can kill her so much easier even though it's harder to get upstairs than it is than I can him because there are just so many people watching everything I do when I'm on the bottom. <laughs> I I could see that. I don't know. See, one of the things I found was that as you do more of the challenges and you replay the level, you get experience points towards a mastery mm-hmm. level. And it doesn't make you, it's not like an RPG where it makes your character more powerful or have more health, right? All it does is give you more options when you're in the planning phase of the mission, which is what happens before you even load the level. So you suddenly get more options for like the concealed items that you start the level with and for like the concealed weapon that you can have. And you get more um you get more choices for where to start and what disguise to start in and all of these things. So by the time you hit mastery level 20 on a level, you have access to every starting point, every like drop location for extra gear and tons and tons of extra gear that you didn't even start the game with, which is really cool. Like after I figured that out, I slowly found kind of the best place to start, which I thought on Paris, it was being the palace staff down in the kitchen because it gives you so yeah. much access and so many options right away. Yeah, they can go almost anywhere that sometimes, you know, they're going to get turned away. But I like being the palace staff probably more than I like being the armed guards. Yeah, it's it's more interesting in some ways. And you can like, you know, if you're one of the staff, you can mess with people's food, which helps a lot. Like. Mm-hmm. There are different types of poisons you can drop in. So you could just go to poison an NPC and try to kill them. But a lot of the times it's more fun to like try to isolate someone and like get them. You can basically give them a poison that just makes them want to go puke or whatever. So they like run to the bathroom and you can mess with them that way and break their loops in interesting ways like that. In a way, it's kind of funny that this game is about killing people because I don't think about it that way in my mind in the least, right? I'm talking about, like, poisoning people yeah. and, like, killing people and taking out targets. I don't think about this game in terms of killing. I think about it in terms of systems that I'm manipulating. And this could be, like, one thing that... I don't even know how to say this exactly. I would like this game a little bit better if it weren't so hyper-realistic in terms of graphics. That if this game were cartoony, then I would honestly probably have a better time with it because that is the only like real detriment to it in my mind is that it is about like very much killing. That even though it doesn't feel like you're stabbing someone in the neck so much as you know going through the motions, it when you think about it like that, it's like oh yeah, that's that's like gory and awful i really am throwing a body in a dumpster and whereas if it were more of a stylized game i might you know i would honestly probably you know enjoy it a little bit better i might actually like that kind of thing though like i almost wish that there and i don't even know how you would reskin this game but if the same systems were applied to a game that didn't have like blatant violence like if you could find a way to make these systems into a game that i could play in front of my kids i would be so happy with that because I can't right now. Like, I haven't played this game in front of my kids at all, and I would not. No, no, not at all. 
Yeah. And, and that's exactly the kind of thing, because that tends to be the kind of game that I like to play. I'm not a Call of Duty guy. Like I've talked about on other shows, I don't like the I don't tend to like the graphics on the PS4 that much because they just don't do anything for me. They all start to look the same. And this does have the graphic style of looking the same as those in, to my uh, to me. But it's super fun manipulating it like it's really fun to play it and do it. I just, you know, I wish it looked like the Wind Waker. <laughs> That's fair. Like, I, I don't mind the way it looks at all. But again, if it could be created in a way that wasn't violent, so I could play it in front of my kids and they would have no idea and it was just an interesting systems game, I would mm-hmm. be fine with that too. Um, I did want to ask you, though, about Paris. Like, did you okay. like the setting? Because it's it's the first real taste of the world outside of those tutorials. Yes, I like it much better than the tutorials because they really are small and cramped. And then you see it as you go in. It's like, okay, I'm in a mansion. I'm in a palace. This is it. Then you walk a little bit further. It's like, oh, okay. Then you go a little further. It's like, oh, wow, there's this area. And then there's this area. It's like, oh, there's a river. And then you keep going. It's like, oh, oh, all of this. And there's so many options to have that I really, really enjoyed that. It really, I saw exactly what you meant when you said it was a fully realized world in itself, that they really did make it feel like there are different segments to this where individuals would be just like it would be if you have ever worked in an event live, there are going to be, you know, worked any kind of event where there is a backstage and a tech crew and a light crew and a sound crew and everything where everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And then there are the performers and all of that it felt like that to me yeah it's super sweet and paris and the second level sapienza those are my two favorite still and granted i haven't dug into all of the later ones but i've played pretty extensively for four of them and paris might still be my favorite one out of the four that i've really dug into um i just i love this level which is why i didn't even hesitate to buy it for you because i was like yeah. this is such a good representation of the game even if it's only whatever they consider to be chapter one or episode one or whatever so okay i did want to ask you before we move right. on which one is your favorite opportunity because i'm assuming you've done a ton of them if not all of them um i've actually only done one of them okay well tell us about the I- one you did Okay, I did the first one that comes up, Helmet Kruger. That's the only one I've actually finished. I've started some of the other ones and then just end up doing my own thing instead of finishing them. Um, No, actually, looking at the list that we've got here, I did the fireworks one as well. Um, But I did it offline, so it didn't count. And uh, which we need to talk about as well. but I did the the Helmet Kruger one where there is a famous model, a famous male model, who you just happen to bear a striking resemblance to. And you can dress up like him, and it gets you through various parts of the level as, as him, basically. And this one is very easy to mess up. That I messed it up the first couple of times just thinking I could do it differently than it was. Then you actually had to. And when I figured it out... It made the level so much easier that I had been bumbling through it like it was a Benny Hill episode. And all of a sudden I get Kruger's outfit and I'm like, oh, oh, this is super easy. I'm just going to walk up here and I'm going to I'm going to put some poison in this. And it was just over like that. And 
I enjoyed that, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as actually muddling through it myself, is it felt almost like I was playing it on rails because it was put out in front of me that you do all of this, you do all of this, and you take these steps, and suddenly you have your target in a kill box. And it felt like it took away some of that kind of sandboxy, figure this out kind of uh, gameplay that it has. And that's why I still think, like I talked about earlier, that's a good place to start because it gives you a very obvious like hand-holdy step-by-step here's how you make it through the level and once you do a bunch of these opportunities you go back and you look at your challenges list and suddenly there are a ton where you go oh i know how to do that or i know how to get close to doing that and i'm not sure how to do the last little part so then it becomes executing things that you already know from the opportunities up to a point, and then you have to kind of freestyle it to figure out the rest. And that gets yeah. really fun. And I was really glad that I'd planned out the mission when I did the uh, 15 seconds of fame one where you turn into the model. Well, you disguise yourself as the model where I'd started with a, a poison injector, and I just had a lot of fun with that. I enjoyed that way more i think my favorite ways to kill so far have been i know this sounds really morbid to say my favorite ways to kill so far have either been the uh, syringe that you can start the level with or picking up a kitchen knife the kitchen knife is my favorite weapon in this level so far i think my favorite weapon in the game because again it sounds so morbid but we're saying it so happily because we're talking about the systems and we're not actually talking about the kills it's weird um but (laughs) my favorite things to play around with in this game are the poisons which sounds so bad but it's like the poisons have interesting effects and you can poison food and you can poison drinks and you can get poison syringes to just inject it if you can sneak up behind someone and there's those two different kinds. There's like a lethal poison, and then there's the poison that makes people sick and they have to run to the bathroom. And there's a third kind that you probably haven't unlocked yet that makes people like drowsy or knocks them out. No, I haven't. Yeah. So the various poisons are just super fun to play around with, which again, sounds really morbid. Also, one thing that I learned that I don't like is that is ever using a hammer. I don't think I will ever pick up and use a hammer because hammers are way louder than you think. I'm never going to murder somebody with a hammer. There is one challenge in the tutorials where you have to play the entire level and the only thing you can equip is a hammer and it's really fun. Oh man, that sounds terrible for how bad I am at it. That's going to be so hard for me. I think it was the very last one that I got on the tutorials. It was the one that took me the longest to figure out how to do it effectively, but it was cool. Like I had such a sense of accomplishment when I did it. Yeah, I bet you did. I have a question. Yes. Okay. Actually, it's not necessarily a question. It's a, am I doing this wrong kind of kind of question. Okay. You, there is a shed that I know outside, beside where you get, uh, where Helmut Kruger is doing his, yes, his photo exactly shoot. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. What am I talking about? I'm curious. The, no, the shed. Like, I know where... Oh, okay. I thought, you were, I thought you knew where my question was going no, I just, already. I have, a I, mental, like, I have a mental map of this entire level. So, yes, I know yeah. exactly where you're talking about. Okay, so that little that little gardening shed there, one of the windows is open. Yes. You cannot pull somebody from behind into that and, and kill them, can you? 
I don't because like there's so. somebody standing outside the window. I'm standing directly behind them, where I should just be able to reach out, grab them, and pull them in through the window, and you know, knock them out, take their outfit, and go on. And I can't. And I keep thinking that I'm going to do something wrong because it seems so basic that you would be able to do this in a game this complex, in a game this complex. But I can't. And I just wonder: can you do that, or? I'm, or am I just completely screwing it up? No, I am think I completely you're right. messing it up? No, no, I think you're right. Um, usually it's because the window is on the same level that you are on. Because if you're like hanging down below a ledge, you can pull someone over. And okay. there are other ways to like attack someone on the other side of a window and then jump through really quick and like move their body or whatever. Um, but no, you're not missing anything. Okay. There, there because aren't I didn't a whole want to... lot of circumstances in the game where you have a window that's on the same, like the ground is the same level on both sides of it. So the right. one you're talking about is one of the few, which is why it's probably just not an interaction that's in the game. It, it does look like it's overlooked, but again, they're few and far between. And that's something that I didn't think about throwing a screwdriver at their neck or anything like that to try to uh, grab them really quickly. Because I probably could have done that, but because I hammer. spent all you of my used time. The hammer. hammer is a silent knockout. It doesn't leave any blood. They would have fallen down. You could have jumped through and gotten them. It's only silent if there's no one with a white dot over their head because they come and kill you if they if they hear it. Well, because it goes yes. clonk. Yeah, they're, they're, some of the close combat has sounds that travel a little bit of distance, but I don't know, man. Cool. So before we wrap up, I did want to talk about the other opportunities that were my favorite. You said you did the fireworks one, right? I did the fireworks okay, one. That I want to talk about that really in a cool. second because I think that's my favorite one. But my second favorite one is it's called A Rare Scoop, and it's the one with the video blogger. Did you do any part of that? No, I haven't done any part of it, but I, I'm pretty sure I know how. I haven't even started it yet. I haven't even gotten the opportunity open yet. Like, I haven't figured out exactly how to do it, or I haven't paid attention to it when it came up. Okay. And I want to do this one because of what I think it does. Yeah. So, the video blogger one, a rare scoop, is you go and you overhear um, a blogger talking on her cell phone, and she's saying, like, she forgot her lens or her lens is broken and she needs a replacement. Can you send someone with one? So if you go out to the side, it's one of the like restricted areas off to the side, but there's um, a parked like news camera crew and they have a van and you can go take the lens out of the van, like an extra lens that they have. Yeah. And if you go deliver that to the blogger, then she will fix her camera and then take that camera out to go interview Victor in front of the fountain out front. So that's a way to get him out front and you get kill opportunities there. But the fun part about this one is that when you like give her (laughs) or before you give her the the lens to kind of set her on her path, you can go to her camera and put a remote explosive inside of it. That's what I thought because I found the camera later and I was like, I want to make everybody blow up. Yeah, it's super cool. So you can wait until she's interviewing him and she has like the camera right next to him out by the fountain and then you can trigger the remote explosion and no one will ever know it's you. It's so good. Yeah, that one was fun. The way I got him today was a really, really stupid way that I got him is I started it with a with a pistol, uh, just the silence pistol. And I waited until he got outside when he goes out through the bar. He talks to the people at the bar for a minute. He stands in the middle of the party and then he paces outside onto the to the really crowded patio. Yeah. And I took myself in whatever disguise I was in. I can't even remember. And I hit there's a giant horse statue 
out in the courtyard. Yeah. And I ducked down behind it and sniped him from behind the uh, horse statue with the silenced pistol right in the head. And then I dropped the gun and walked away. Nice. And I was like, that shouldn't have worked. That was real dumb. And uh, but I, I, I escaped through the some maybe the kitchens at that point was the easier way for me to get out. I don't remember. But it was like I needed a sniper rifle. and I did it with a silenced pistol one of the cool things about that patio that he walks out onto is and i don't know if you got far enough to figure this out but if you take a wrench and you walk up to one of those lamp posts and you have to make sure that you're in the right disguise so that nobody will question what you're doing like maintenance right. basically you can like loosen the gas on one of those gas lamps so that it starts leaking and then hey. if you shoot the lamp when he's near it it'll make a giant explosion and it'll look like an accident that's what it does okay i saw where i needed the wrench uh when i was doing all of this and just hadn't uh just hadn't didn't have one on me to mess with it yeah there's tons of systems that took me a long time to figure out like the fact that if you have a screwdriver you can mess with any like power strip on the ground and then if you Uh. combine a power strip with a hose and make a water puddle on like a faulty wiring power strip you can electrocute people stuff like that oh i had no idea about that at all yeah there's tons and tons of little systems like that that if you just explore you will figure them out eventually so i okay i want to talk about my favorite opportunity and then we'll move on to some weekly geekery and stuff but you did the fireworks right i did i did i don't think i killed them the same way that maybe i was supposed to like being able to drop something on their heads from above with it but it got everybody out of the way and that was how i did it the first time was using the fireworks to get them separated and killed them then Okay, so the fireworks, you trigger the fireworks, and basically the guy freaks out because they're not supposed to go off till nighttime, so he runs out onto, like, a patio area, and he gets all pissed that they're going off, and then the lady goes out and watches them because she thinks it's funny that he's mad about it. Essentially, that's what happens, Um, and you just have to go and sneak into the crew area and find where they're holding, like, the fireworks detonator. Um, my favorite thing to do after you trigger the fireworks, she's standing on that balcony and he's standing down below. If you wait for a minute, she'll walk over and look down at him. You can push her off the balcony onto him and kill them both at the same time. (laughs) I did not do that. I think it's my favorite kill on this level. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's Hitman. Thank you for indulging me. I've been playing it for like a month, so I had to talk about it. And I'm so glad that you played too, Beach. Yeah, it is. It's a very good game that if it hadn't been for you telling me about it and having found out about it on the end of year list, I would have completely walked away from it. Like I never would have even looked at it again because I didn't like the very first Hitman game. And so I'm like this old crotchety man. I was like, oh, in the 70s, that restaurant wasn't very good. So I'm not going there now. I was that way. It was like the first Hitman game wasn't very fun. So I'm not playing any of them ever again. Yeah. And, and you know, so, I was guilty of something along the same way, too. I just I listened to a lot of gaming podcasts and I read a lot of gaming news sites. And I saw it enough times that I said, OK, I should actually go give it a shot. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, this yeah. one's really fun. Cool. If you guys played it all, let us know. We should probably create a thread. We will create a thread in the subreddit. We'll gladly talk to you guys about it. Or hit me up on Twitter. It's always fun. Um, Geeky Offer of the Week, we have Audible Trial, which is what we've been mostly doing lately because audiobooks are always fun. Um, you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and get a free book on us. You help support the podcast. We get you a free book. Everybody wins. Um, book recommendation of this week, just because I know BJ is still reading it, Paper and Fire. 
It's really, really good. So it's good. It's the Great Library series by Rachel Kane. Um, and I don't want to get too much into Paper and Fire itself because it's kind of spoilery for the first book. But if you haven't read it yet, you can also read Ink and Bone, which is the first book in the series. It's so, so good. And we've talked about it a bunch, so we probably don't have to go into details on it. But yeah, Paper and but Fire or Ink read and Bone. It. Yes. Last year, seriously... I read one book last year, and this is the only, and because of, you know, my crazy brains, and I couldn't focus, this is the only, this is the first time I've ever moved, in the last year and a half, moved from one book directly into another book, because it was so compelling that I didn't give my, I had to, and so Rachel Kane's Great Library series is just fantastic. Cool. And with that, uh, time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I actually have a lot more than you this week because you had a busy week and I'm finally settling into my job where I'm having free time again, which is nice. Um, but the one thing we both did, I think both of us got back to running this week, right? Yeah, finally. How, how's it going for you? How's Um, the weather? It was good. It's really good here. We might get snow later this week, but as of recording, it was like 60 today, and it's been 50 or 60 for the last few days, which is crazy in February in Minnesota. Yeah. So as long as it lasts, um, I'm getting out a lot. So I went for a couple long walks just to kind of like get my legs ready for the year because I've been on a stationary bike most of the winter. It's not the same thing as walking and running. And then I went for one run, and I tried to go kind of my standard minimum distance, which is about three miles and I made yeah. it. It was a lot more walking than running. It was the old mm-hmm. run, walk, run, walk, interval stuff. Um, but I made it. I mean, I went really far. Not really far. It was really far for my first run back for the year. And Yeah, absolutely. I just, I loved getting out. I'm so excited that running season is here again. Yeah, I know. I'm the same way. I've finally gotten back to be able to go outside running. And I've been able to do like 1.3 solid miles now. And I'm doing it slow for me. But it's, uh, you know, I'm finally able to get back there. I have the energy and the mindset to do it. I'm finally eating well. We made some cauliflower-based jambalaya this week. Oh, and Instead of rice, it has riced cauliflower. Dude, it is so good. And like you would hate it. I understand that. But you know, <laughs> your wife, give it get make her make this stuff for herself. Like it is so good. And like being able to run and go back to the gym. And I started doing the strong lifts five by five program again. And uh it is so fun. Like I'm so sore right now because I I hadn't done any kind of weight training in so long or running, and I basically ran, rode a bike, and did uh, uh, like 25 barbell squats like in one day and it was dumb so I'm going back tomorrow instead of today but just being able to move around has been a respite from the amount of work that I've had to do I'm so excited just to be able to move around and run again like I didn't I mean I knew I recognized as a runner and I labeled myself that way but the first time I was able to get back out and just start running like I had this big dumb cartoon grin just looking at it like can you like a dog really it's like can you guys see me can you see how I'm running look at me look at me I'm running you guys and I was like like really that's how I felt like a dog with its head out the window like I'm so excited to be able to run again it's so good. And hopefully, I mean, chances are your season is here to stay. I'm hoping that my season Maybe. will hold out. 
but I mean, we get we get snow a lot in March in Minnesota. A lot of times we actually get snow in March here in Alabama. Like I know generally during my spring break uh, over the last like I guess I was there for eight years. It's always been cold during the first week of March when we would have spring break and it snowed a couple of times. So I'm I'm hoping that it stays a little warmer because I mean, today it got like 80 here, but I'm hoping it stays in that 50 to 60 range for long enough to truly enjoy it cool well we'll keep talking about running as we get back into it for the season it's always good to kind of check in and be accountable even if it's to an entire audience of podcast listeners (laughs) and i want to say thank you to all of you guys out there on twitter like i don't know if you've listened to my podcast the health hacks podcast or not but those of you y'all are keeping me accountable on running since i made a comment on on uh dumbbells and dragons that day the man you guys are like you're running bj you're running you're running you go to the gym today it's like Thank you, guys. So keep it coming. Yes, excellent. Okay, so for me, outside of running, I'm still playing Fire Emblem Heroes, and I'm up to lunatic difficulty, which means that I am playing less and less every day because the stamina cost keeps going up, which I talked about last week. It's it's more of the same. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, except that every battle I fight now takes more and more stamina, so it's just like I can only get in like three, maybe four battles before I'm like, okay, well, now I have to wait for it to recharge for hours. I just, yep. that energy mechanic is so dumb. But I still love, I love the core of that game. Like, I wish I could just play it whenever I had free time, but. I know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I love the core of the game, but I've kind of not bounced off of it, but I'm not playing it as consistently as I was for the first week or so because it, it's so much of the same that there's not a lot of variation though i did like summon my first five star hero and i was super excited about that nice well done i think it was hawkeye but i was also playing a game called hidden folks this week never heard of that um i heard about it from a bunch of people and it was on the app store for like four bucks or something so whatever i like if i see enough people talking about a mobile game and it's less than five dollars i will pick it up without knowing anything about it that's just one of those things that i do because i find mobile gaming so interesting and it's one i've ended up playing with my daughter mostly so i'm not even playing it on my own i usually wait until she asks and then we play it together it's kind of like an interactive modern version of where's waldo but all black and white that doesn't quite do it justice because you're not just looking for one thing that's the same from level to level you are looking for a variety of things and they kind of like give you clues and they give you a little image underneath about all these different things that you can find in the level. And then in the level, you can zoom around and tap on different things. And yeah, there's just like everything that you tap on will have some kind of interaction with the level. Like it's completely interactable and some of the people on it are moving around and like little figures are moving around and doing things. So it's kind of like if Where's Waldo was interactive and brought to life and in black and white and more interesting than where's waldo ever was before (laughs) yeah and i don't think i would i would personally like that but if i had somebody to play with like my nephew or or you know your daughter that that would be super fun like that's the kind of thing that i i do really enjoy doing he he got me to play marvel Tsum Tsum with him and that was fun and then i went to a game of thrones live concert experience thing last night which I didn't even tell you about, did I? No, you didn't tell me about it. I woke up, saw this on Twitter that you were like being like a 19-year-old staying up past like 9 o'clock at night. And I know you stay up late at night. I'm the one who goes to bed at 9. And it's just like, I didn't know this was a thing. Tell me about this. Because I went to a Star Wars in concert, and it was 
awesome you do go to bed early i go to bed at I like do. 11 30 usually that's usually when i'm falling asleep and that's only because i have to wake up at like 5 45 i mean before I, when i was freelancing i would go to bed at like 1 a.m that was about right but i would wake up i at literally 8. can't remember the last time i stayed up till 11 that's that's crazy if i go to sleep like i might go to bed and like you know read for a while and do other stuff in bed and hang out but like i don't fall asleep before 11 or 11 30 most nights that's way oh, too man. early i'm such a night owl compared to you um oh yeah and i'm a morning person like hey it's i woke up this morning at five o'clock got up at 5 30 i was like hey guys let's let's do something let's play overwatch and i can drag myself awake because i have been doing that for my new job but i am not yeah. like fully functional and ready to go when i wake up at that time of day <laughs> let's podcast at 5 a.m sometime and see what happens let's not Okay, so the Game of Thrones live concert experience, it was a live performance of Game of Thrones music, which is exactly what it sounds like. And the live music was just amazing, right? The performance part of it was amazing. But the whole thing was supposed to be like an experience with like visuals. And they had like tons of these giant interactives. Well, not interactive, but tons of giant screens where they had like projected videos and lots of like props that would come down from the sky and like do different things for different songs the first half of the concert it like the music was fantastic but all of the interactive experience stuff and the screens and it just it didn't feel cohesive and a lot of the times it felt like those bad fan-made videos that you see online where they just cut a bunch of clips together and there's no sequence to it, there's no progression, there's no impact at all. It's just like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of clips I know from Game of Thrones. So we really liked listening to the music in that first half, but my wife and I, because we didn't know what to expect, and we do this a lot, if we don't know what we're in for, we will go sit in the back and make fun of it together the entire time. Because uh, that's right. what my wife and I do. And we go we go back so we're not bugging other people because we know that we'll do that. <laughs> so the concert wasn't sold out at all um, because they had, like, changed the day or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There, It wasn't, like, packed. So we just went way back to the back row, and we sat there the whole first half. And we were listening, but we were making fun of things, too. And I had a great time doing that with my wife because we just love to do that kind of thing together. But then after intermission... It was amazing. The second half of that concert, instead of doing like, like the first half, they might be like a theme. And then it was like a bunch of, you know, a character's theme. And then it was just random cuts of the person out of order from all the seasons. And it was like, okay, whatever. The second half, they did like entire scenes and they would play the music for like a whole sequence that had a huge impact on the show. So for example, there was like the core of the music from the Battle of the Bastards, and they showed every key point in the Battle of the Bastards in order. It wasn't the whole episode. It was condensed down to like, I don't know, 10 minutes, maybe 15. Okay. But it was so good. And then they did the same thing for the end of season six and all the stuff that happens at the Great Sept of Baylor, which if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what I'm talking well, uh, I know what you're talking about finally. Yeah, they did that whole sequence, and it was, like, special effects and, like, pyrotechnics and stuff with it, too. It was so cool. That would be cool. Yeah. So the second half made the first half worth sitting through. So if you do go to see it, don't leave at intermission, even though the first half was just okay, because the second (laughs) half is really, really good. 
that that actually really stinks because like so many people do leave an intermission. Like it, I don't, I hate that for the production being so good in the second half because I leave an intermission quite a bit if something is just super stinky. Yeah, we do sometimes too, but again, we liked the music enough that we were like, at the very least, we're hearing okay. a bunch of really cool live music, so it was fine. But yeah, like I said, the second half was really good. And then beyond that, like, and Hitman, I'm just kind of waiting for the Nintendo Switch. I've looked at a bunch of other games that have coming coming out or have come out. I was looking at Neo and For Honor and Resident Evil 7 and Conan Exiles, and I'm contemplating Final Fantasy 14 again because the new expansion's coming up. And I'm just yep. kind of not pulling the trigger on anything because I want to play the Nintendo Switch, and it's so close now. So I'm biding my time, and I'm playing Hitman, and I'm playing Fire Emblem Heroes. And the other thing was... So I started writing that list for the episode and then I was talking to people online and like the games that I actually do care about. It is crazy between the end of February and the first week of April, we are getting Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a game that I don't know if I'm going to pick up now because everything's so busy, but it looks really cool. We're getting so Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. We're getting the new Zelda with the launch of the Switch and all the other Switch launch titles and we're getting Mass Effect Andromeda and Persona 5 in the space of, like, five weeks. It's crazy. Wow. Also, I would like to point out that there's a term for the end of February to the 1st of April. It's called March. Well, it's not just March, though. <laughs> I'm sorry, just the way that you said that. I was like, it's March, bro. No, I wanted to put March, but it's it's the last week of February, and it includes the first week of April. Otherwise, it, does. I just it, was, just, it was just so funny. Uh, <laughs> but OK, but along those lines, there was new Zelda info that came out that you and I well, talked I a little a question, bit about. Actually, yeah. before you go to the Zelda, Persona 5, is it going to be a Vita game like uh, Persona 4 Golden, or is it going to be a major like like home console game? No, it's home console. I think it's PS3 and PS4 and then maybe okay. Xbox One. Maybe. Cool. Yeah. But honestly, the core three there, Zelda, Mass Effect, and Persona 5, that like I've been psyched for all of those for as long as I've known about them, I will gladly do Persona 5 over the other two. There's like no question in my mind. Even Zelda? Oh, yeah. No question. No question that Persona 5 takes precedence over Zelda for me. Holy mother of pearl. After how much I love Persona 4, like, yeah. why would I? I mean, like, I love the Zelda series, but not not as much as I love Persona 4 Golden. So, yes, Persona 5 takes precedence. So I'm really, really hoping that I can beat Breath of the Wild before Persona 5 comes out. <laughs> or else you're going to lose your mind. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll keep you informed. But yeah, the Zelda <laughs> yeah, I'm, news I'm was... Excited. Some of the Zelda news was cool just because... They're saying that they're taking out a lot of the things that were like traditional for the series. And I kind of agreed with everything that I read. Like, yeah, we talked about this here. I'll run down the list quick. We don't have to like linger on everything, but there's no more compass. The map will autofill when you're exploring. Right. There's no musical chests. So that typical Zelda music. Um, We probably won't get green clothes until late in the game. There's no more money hidden in all the grass. You can't just cut grass to get rupees. We get a jump button, finally. Finally! Oh my goodness. I know. There's no more Epona, but we do have random tameable horses, and if you want to name one Epona, you can. 
which is fine, I suppose. Um, there's no one new item for each new dungeon that doesn't exist cool. anymore. Yeah. It's just that, like that is great. Yeah, they said you would like walk into a dungeon and you would be able to usually see the target or like the the end of it from where you start. It's just about figuring out how to get there. It's not about acquiring a new item and then a new compass and then the map and then working through it, you know? So and I think that's really awesome yeah, because me too. that that that's fun and one of the big things that I've always hated about Zelda is going into a dungeon and despising the mechanic of the item. And so that dungeon just becomes a trudge that is just like, well, I hate this. I'm going to hate the next couple hours of my life. Yeah, yeah. Zelda dungeons are usually where people fall out of games because they kind of linger on too long. So yep. hopefully they've fixed that. Yeah, uh, we'll see. So the other two things that they announced, um, enemies won't wait, wait around to attack. So, you know, when you have like five or six enemies in kind of a giant mm-hmm. semicircle around you and you attack them one at a time and the other ones just wait, that doesn't exist anymore, which is good, good. because it always felt dumb. And then... They said that all of the bombs in the game are remote bombs. There are no more timed fuses to fight with, which I think is huge because how many times do you throw a bomb and you know what you're supposed to do and you just can't do it because you don't know how much time is on the fuse? I mess that up pretty often, but I'm also generally terrible at fuses. Like, I've been playing Junkrat on Overwatch a lot lately, and the issue that I have with detonators is placing them in the wrong place where the detonation doesn't go as far as I thought. I'm sure I'm going to run into that same issue with bombs in Zelda now. Yeah, we'll see. I still think it'll be better than fuses, though. But yeah, lots, Detonate- lots of Zelda news. And then all of those other games are coming out in March-ish. Can we call it March-ish? <laughs> March-ish. Okay, so everything else is coming out March-ish because they delayed all of the games <laughs> I was excited for last fall into March-ish. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so very, very soon, all those games are going to start coming out, and I will be talking about them all because they're honestly zelda mass effect and persona 5 are all pre-ordered i will have them on the day they come out and i have a question about zelda that i've been meaning to ask you that i know it's coming out for the switch and i know you're going to be getting the switch but i've also read that the zelda for the switch is going to be less impressive than the one on the wii u are you going to get it and play it on wii u instead no i haven't heard that at all i've heard it's the other way around Oh, is it? Okay, see, I'd heard that it was one way. I may be wrong. You read way more about that than I do. So, yeah, the one I'd heard was that the Switch wasn't as powerful and it was not as graphically impressive. No, um, probably what you read, and you might have conflated a couple things in your mind, which makes sense because of all the info that keeps coming out about Zelda. The Switch docked experience versus the Switch out of the docked experience, um, the frame rate and the like, you know, screen crispness takes yeah. a hit when you take it out of the dock. Oh, so okay. I think they were saying that the switch out of the dock might be slightly worse experience than the Wii U on the TV. But okay. overall, the switch will give you the better experience. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Okay, with that, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek geekcast 
We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast If you want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at geek to geekcast.net and tell us which shows you want updates about. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I blog and podcast at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Sneaky, sneaky.